Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Welcome to episode 12 of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast where we talk about the 90s hit sitcom starring Fran Drescher called The Nanny. This is uh, episode 12 of The Nanny, season one. The show must go on. I am Shandi Pasquale here with Toria Sheffield. Hi, Toria. Hello. How are you? Good? Uh, I'm good. I'm really good. Um, This this was a a fun little app. Yeah. Do you want to do the quick summary? Well, okay. So yeah, this is the episode where Fran produces Gracie's school pageant, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't really produce it because there's a little bit of um, territoriality with Mr. Sheffield. Mm -hmm. A big time producer. Uh, Episode was directed by Will McKenzie. It was written by uh, Frank Lombardi and Dana Reston. Um, all, all good, uh, TV writers. A lot of them worked with Fran on like a bunch of her other shows after the nanny. The one like most interesting note, uh, that I had was just that Dana, um, actually went on to write like an episode of Buffy and like some other like kind of teen drama shows, which I thought was like an interesting jump from the nanny, you know? Yeah. I wonder what episode of Buffy it was. Cause I know that show pretty well. Yeah. I didn't dig. It's a little more loose now, but like I know there was a time where it was like, well, if you wrote for sitcoms, you didn't write dramas. Like it was mm-hmm. like a delineation, mm-hmm. a very serious delineation between like what you were allowed to write for. So it's interesting that she um, made the jump. Let's see, she wrote episode. Uh, she wrote the third episode of the first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, titled "Witch," in which a student starts dropping off dropping out of cheerleading tryouts by spontaneously <gasps> combusting. Oh, I remember that episode. I love that episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it has one of the best Buffy lines ever where um, there's this girl doing like her cheerleader tryouts and everyone's yeah. like, wow, she's really good. And then someone screams, she's on fire. And then one girl's like, stop with the hyperbole. But then it turns out she really <laughs> She's on actually fire. on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, oh, well, so this episode actually starts with a line that like, that like, Loki surprised me um, because um, basically, so it's like they're, they're around the breakfast table as we often start these episodes now. And um, Fran is like really nervous because she's going to accompany Mr. Sheffield to a PTA meeting for Gracie. And, you know, Mr. Sheffield is like, oh, Miss Fine, like it's just a PTA meeting. And she goes, but some of the some of those P's and T's could be lonely he's. And then Niles goes, you certainly have the A for it. And she's just like, like it's like just this little moment where it's like they're like, ooh. And I'm like, I mean, your coworkers like telling you have the ass for it like i just like i mean i guess they're really close now they just that's totally cool i guess there's no hr in this household yeah i mean i this whole episode had some like very weird there's like weird sexualization of the kids to a little bit later um that i thought was like very feels very inappropriate to me now anyway i don't know if like you know I don't know. I I, I think yeah. even at the time it was like pretty, I don't know, pretty risque. Well, yeah. So it's like, I think we can even like slightly jump ahead to that because what happens is like they go to the BTA meeting and clearly the headmistress of the school like really, really wants Mr. Sheffield to produce this children's pageant. And he's like, no, no, no. Like I'm above it. Like that's what I do for my job and I do it professionally. Like I'm not going to do it here. So Fran volunteers to do it. And everyone's like, oh God, like this is going to go terribly. But like nobody else volunteers. So then we cut to 
the Sheffield's home and there's tons of kids from the school there and they're like all clearly there for this big audition and this running gag throughout the episode is there is this there's this one little girl who's really really good and her mom is clearly like a typical stage mom and you know she's just a little singer and a dancer and she's a little professional and at one point she walks up to Brighton who's like helping Fran like with the logistics and she's like I hear you know the director. And she like <laughs> crawls her fingers up his chest. Like, like you know, like she like seductively like walks her fingers up his chest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She goes, she goes, I'll do anything to get the part. And I do mean anything. And this is literally a seven-year-old girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I well, think he – but, I forget what sets it up, but then he he says something, and she's like, "My mom, I wrote. My mom told me to say all of this." Oh yeah, he goes, he goes. Does your mom know you're saying this? Because like, to Brayton's credit, he's like horrified, um, and she's like, "Oh yeah, she yeah. wrote it down for me." So you know the the meaning being that like clearly her mom is like gross and disgusting, and will yeah, gross wants her daughter to do anything to get yeah. There. And it's just interesting to me how you know we've now lived through like the Me Too movement, and you know. Like, like all of this, like, you know, kind of reckoning with these things that like just, you know, 20 years ago were being written off as just like jokes, you know, I was just like, haha, it's hilarious, well, isn't it? I think the thing that's really striking is that um, we all were like so shocked and so surprised when all of these stories were coming out. But it's like this was clearly like such an open secret that like. There were jokes about it. Like everybody yeah. knew there were the casting couches. Everybody knew people were like right. being pressured to have sex for roles. But it's like for some reason there was this cognitive dissidence of like, but then, oh my God, I can't believe that really happens when it's like, well, every, all of these things come from like the reality of the industry, like all of these jokes. But I, I even had the note, I said, this is a very showbiz insider app, like from the like the casting couch jokes to even yeah. like tension between the director and the producer because- what eventually ends up happening is Mr. Sheffield almost can't help himself in terms of like taking over because he's watching Fran sort of stumble her way through this pageant. And she's sort of like approaching it like, you know, like a regular kid's thing. She makes some little paper paper bag hats for their heads and they're doing these cutesy little dances. And like, she's just like, you're all doing so great. Um, and he is literally like tortured by this because yeah. he like can't help but be a crazy perfectionist. So he basically usurps control from her and quote promotes her to producer so he can be director. I guess initially she yeah. was going to be the director and then it gets swapped. And, but yeah, yeah they weren't, like, yeah, they initially want Mr. Sheffield to direct and he's like, oh, no, I could never. And I nominate Fran. And then she becomes the director. And he just, like, backseat directs her. Like, he's, like, critical of every choice that she's making. It's all, it's not glitzy enough. It's not, you know, like, the costumes aren't right. And, I mean, you know, to Fran's credit, she's literally just making, she is doing what every, what what most children's, school plays do which is like just making it work you know it's just like cobbling shit together and the scenery's crappy and the costumes are crappy and he sort of um wants to take over but doesn't want to insult her so he makes her the producer and tries to feed her this line of like you're you know a producer now and i'll direct um yeah like and, you're, you're getting promoted yeah yeah and she comes to realize that like ultimately like it doesn't it's like 
it doesn't really mean much and he's going to do what he wants to do and he makes it a much bigger you know sort of production um this episode also said a lot about like stage moms it was a very insidery kind of kind of episode also it said a lot about nepotism and so the funny thing is when during the auditions gracie sings the itsy bitsy spider and she's just like she's not great she's a typical kid she's got no stage presence and then it's that really talented stage girl blows it out of the park and you know everyone's like oh my god she's so amazing and fran's like oh yeah she was gracie's the lead yeah. <laughs> um, because in her mind she's like i'm of course gonna cast my kid um and even though she's actually doing something pretty shitty and it's like obvious nepotism and this other kid is more deserving yeah the other kid is still always set up as the butt of every joke. We weirdly are like pro Fran's um, sort of like unethical casting throughout the whole episode. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I, I mean, again, it's this weird thing where like, um, you know, it, it's just it's so strange to me because so much of this stuff like you said, is obviously like an open secret, right? Like stage moms and nepotism and casting couches and like all these things that like they're joking about. And like, it stands out to me. It's weird to me for two reasons. Cause one, it's like, it's so interesting how people felt like this was clearly happening. Right. But like, yet at the same time, like everyone was still doing the jokes. No one was like, maybe we shouldn't joke about this. And it just kind of speaks, I guess, to the pressure that's like put on you in, when you're like at, in this position where you're like, oh, I guess I got to just do the thing, you know? Um, yeah, I'm sure there's like, you know, there's no alternative. It's like yeah. th- there for so many years, like that, that was just the way it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's weird that like, it sort of also like works to kind of normalize it too, you know? Yeah. And then you, and then it's, it seems like there's no, there's no way out when like everyone around you is sort of like drinking right. the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, that's just like human psychology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. What else I'm- did this episode do well? Uh, I like uh, there was one, there was one really ridiculous line where um, they're trying to direct uh, Maxwell is, is trying to direct grace and she like, doesn't get what he's saying. He's like trying to, explain like she's playing a lamb <laughs> yes you know, and, she's, she's holding the lamb and he's right. like you need to connect with the lamb the lamb follows you everywhere you go right because she's doing mary had a little lamb uh-huh. and she like doesn't get it and then fran just looks at grace and she goes the lamb's codependent and grace goes oh okay yes. and my note was is grace gonna be a shrink when she grows up that was like what i thought was like she's like they're like really making her character that she's like super into like psychology well it's like um in a previous episode when fran gets on mr sheffield's business line and is like oh my god my ex is taking heather biblo to bermuda or something like that yeah and and you know miss she hangs up and mr sheffield's like nobody cares what your ex-boyfriend is doing and gracie goes i care deeply (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah no it's definitely a thing with her and i think it just plays into the whole like she's like quote unquote like over therapized for a child um right i almost think that's more what they're doing but yeah i could totally see this character growing up to be like you know an academic psychologist or psychiatrist right (laughs) or like a child therapist or something yeah yeah it just makes sense Mm -hmm. um well and so what ends up happening is mr sheffield 
basically becomes like a slave driver. Like he has no uh, understanding that these are just children. He's like harsh with them. He's putting so much pressure on little Gracie that she's literally upstairs in her room, tapping away for hours, trying to perfect it. And, um, you know, Fran is like horrified by this. She's very much like, you know, you're, you're driving her crazy. You're taking all the fun out of this. And we kind of see Mr. Sheffield in his element in a weird way where you're like, oh, okay, I get what he's like at work, which is we've never seen that side of him before. He's always sort of the almost like Hugh Grant, but like 90s Hugh Grant guy before he became the like skeezy Hugh Grant when it was more like the bumbling Notting Hill Hugh Grant. Like that's normally how we see Mr. Sheffield. And so this was like, oh, no, I, I get why he's like a successful theater producer now but yeah, no, i mean look he has very, you know he's got very specific tastes he knows what he wants what he wants you know like he he knows how to put on a show i mean that, that i think without question like you know to go from what fran had initially been planning to like what we end up with um it's certainly like a spectacle by the time like he gets done you know with his hands all over it yes <laughs> But because he doesn't, you know, factor in that he's dealing with small children, like on the actual night of the big show, of course, like Gracie is like buckling under the pressure. Yeah. She refuses to go on, you know, all of her sort of like fears and neuroses and and things that we that you would come to expect from Gracie start to bubble up. And she's just clearly so afraid she's going to disappoint her father. And, you know, Fran saw this coming a mile away, basically. Um, But so Mr. Sheffield. I forget exactly what he says to try to make Gracie go on, but she still is like, no, I'm not going to do it. And then Fran saves the day because she like, she gets Gracie and she has like much more emotional intelligence than Mr. Sheffield. So she's like, Hey, you know what? I get it. It's totally fine. If you don't go on like, and I forget the name of that child actor kid who like should have gotten the part. Just say her name is like, I don't know, like Nicole. And she was like, Nicole knows all your lines. We'll just put Nicole in your spot. And then instantly Gracie's like, over my dead body. And she jumps up and runs to hair and makeup. And so uh, she just, like reverse psychologies the hell out of Gracie. And then yeah. I actually, I don't know about you, but when we actually see the final result of this production, I was laughing out loud. I thought this was the highlight of the episode because it's this little school play but like the like kids are doing the can-can. They're in like glittery sequence outfits. There's like cartwheels. Gracie is literally suspended on strings. And so she she gets she like descends onto the stage in this elaborate spider um costume. And then it all yeah. cues up just for her to super lamely sing the it's a bitsy it's a bitsy spider. spider. Yeah. So I <laughs> I I there are, well a couple of things here. Uh I loved, like, I mean, that was like, that was the highlight of the episode for me too. I was, I like underlined it in my notes, which was like, I love that it was all of this just for her to come center stage and go the itsy bitsy spider <laughs> without the water spout. Like, and she does it exactly the same way she did it in the, the first, like the first time she sang it, she's, she's yeah. not like grown as a performer or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, that's the thing. Like Mr. Sheffield looks at her and he goes, I, I think she just really got something. And then Fran goes, yeah, guts. <laughs> like that's the end of the episode. It's like, she's got um, nothing, but she's I, doing it in front of an audience. I also couldn't, I didn't find anything like online that like confirmed this. Um, but I got the distinct feeling that the, 
that the end thing with her like coming down on like the wires and all that. I think it was like a vague um, kiss of the spider woman reference. Like, I think that's what it was supposed to be that he turned it into this like big grand entrance and took it very literally. And, and then she just sings it's a bitsy spider. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a pretty simple episode. Um, It just like goes to furthering force that, Fran is like the heart of this household now and like her instincts are always right and she's gradually shifting Mr. Sheffield further in her direction and he is learning through her presence in their life. Um so it's just you know that's it's a nice little yeah. heartwarming theme. We could get into segments where we talk about our favorite parts if you're if you're ready. Um, yeah. The 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 hard part of doing 22 episodes a season is that and especially in a sitcom is that like you know, sitcoms at their core, like, are not meant to change. Like, the whole point is, like, you have a thing. And, I mean, cheers, right? You, like, you have a thing and you have characters at work and then they're just those characters forever. Um, and, you know, this show is dealing with the fact that, like, these kids are going to definitely grow up as the seasons go on. They, you know, so, like, they're they're given a little more leeway to have, like, storylines that kind of move forward. But, like, you can't, and not every episode can do that. So I think we're... We, we're going to get a bunch of episodes that really just like are like this, where they're just like short and sweet and, and like, you know, ultimately they're just reinforcing a larger point, you know? And, and like mm-hmm. you said, in this case, it's just, it's just Fran is Fran really has the best at heart for this family. And like, she will find a way to convince Mr. Sheffield that, that she's doing the right thing. And then ultimately turn out to, to probably be right. You know? Mm-hmm segments and now segments so segments yeah no i think we should move on to segments i to say we can move on to our segments and now segments segments uh with sean and toria <laughs> all right um best line of the episode should we start with that yeah let's start um my, one of my favorite lines was actually within the first two minutes of this episode. Interesting. One of my favorites is in the last minute of the credits. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, I think at the beginning I said they were around the breakfast table. And I think I, I are, I'm already correcting myself. It must have been dinner because they're eating steak. And Brighton goes, Niles, this steak is a little tough. And Niles just goes, so is life. And then you die. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Such a glib <laughs> answer to a child. <laughs> yeah. No, Mr. Sheffield's never like, Niles, can you be, you know, a little less awful to my kids? Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's just expected of him. And then um, there was another good line when um, Miss, uh, Mr. Sheffield realizes he's pushing Gracie too hard. And he goes, oh, Miss Miss Fine, you're right. Like, I'm turning into my father. And then Fran's like, it's okay. I, too, have to fight the urge to rinse out gefilte fish jars and use them as glasses. glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Which was uh, – that was one of my favorites. I think my absolute favorite line of the episode, though, was um, there – it was in the credits. And she's reading – the reviews of the schools of the children's play, which I'm not sure who would write a review of a school play, but that's it was that little boy. Remember the little boys? <laughs> oh, <the> right, right. <laughs> the and thing he, is, Mr. Sheffield has let this whole children's production go so far to his head that when a literal seven year old was quote interviewing him, um, and also 
reveals that he will be reviewing the play later, Mr. Sheffield's like, make sure we have a lot of snacks for that boy, <laughs> like after, yeah. like behind the scenes or something. <laughs> and then, like, so, important. so his review though, just the line of the review was, not since Hudson Hawk has there been such an overproduced, underdirected piece of crap. <laughs> Which, <laughs> if you've never seen Hudson Hawk, really firmly describes what Hudson Hawk was. It's a Mel, no, it's a Bruce Willis movie. Um, and it is truly like so overproduced and like expensive for like ultimately like nothing. Like it's just like a nothing, very forgettable, like silly movie. I enjoy it very much though. Um, so I liked that line. And then I also, it's not really like a zinger, but I really liked the little kid that walked up to Cece and was like, lady, will you wipe my nose? And she just goes, no. <laughs> and then she ultimately ends up wiping his nose because his dad is rich. Um, so do we want to do our, do we want to move on or do you have some other? No, no, let's, uh, let's, let's move on. Keep Let's it moving. Keep it tight. Um, so there was no Yiddish, but um, there was a gefilte fish reference. And yes. for those who didn't grow up with, you know, uh, Jewish roots, you might not know what that is. Um, it is a dish made from a poached mixture of ground deboned fish. Mm-hmm. It's usually like a type of white fish and it's traditionally served as an appetizer mm-hmm. in Ashkenazi Jewish households. I didn't yes. I, and so I didn't personally know that it was like more specifically to Ashkenazi Jewish people. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense to me because Ashkenazi is like the more Eastern European uh, Jews, right? Yeah, because the Sephardic mm-hmm. is, the, is more Middle Eastern. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense, right? It feels like an Eastern European dish. Like a I mean, and do you like fish. it? Because I, I personally, I don't like it. I, I like it. I like it exactly once a year. I like two tiny, very thin slices on a piece of matzah with some butter and some horseradish, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> so, nanny facts. Um, this actually was very appropriate for um the plot of this episode because, as we discussed, nepotism is featured heavily as yeah. a uh, thing that happens. Um when Fran casts the pageant. So this fact is that, and this is from IMDb, this show was more of a family affair than most shows since Fran Drescher's company produced it and hired many friends and relatives to be regulars, guest stars, and production staff. In fact, Renee Taylor, who played Sylvia, was originally billed as a guest star so that the network wouldn't be involved with her casting um, because it gave Fran Drescher and her then-husband more autonomy. Um, oh, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, and she also remained a guest star for the entire series, um, even though she appeared in more than 100 episodes. And oh, I wondered if – I really wondered if that affected her compensation. It definitely did. That sucks. Which sucks. Yeah, um, it totally sucks. And and But makes sense from the standpoint of – I mean, it's weird, right? I get why they got her in that way because, like, the network's going to want less control and input over someone who's just, oh, they're only going to be here sometimes versus, like, they are a regular of the show. But it's interesting that, like, as negotiations went forward, which I think this show lasted, like, six seasons, right? Or mm-hmm, six seven seasons. Six. So usually negotiations happen after season five uh, in network, especially in these days. So it's interesting to me that when, like, season six and seven got renegotiated, there was no, like, let's bring her on full time. Let's add her. You know, most shows, <clears throat> especially sitcoms in this era, you know, if you watch season one credits and then you watch the last season opening credits, there's always, like one or two people who started out as a guest star who are now, I mean, Kimmy Gibbler, I think ended up as a regular in the last couple seasons mm-hmm, of, of mm-hmm. full house, 
you know, and Steve <laughs> got added, I think it's like a, to like the opening credits. So it's uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I wonder if it affected her. I mean, it, it had to affect her compensation. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how TV works, you know? That, like, yeah. I mean, that's the first thing I thought of. Uh, yeah. Well, I hope, I hope she got a great bonus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope she got a Mr. Sheffield four figure bonus. <laughs> what else you got? Um, uh, the last is just the Fran or the CC. And yeah. I think for me, it depends on how you perceive Fran and CC in this episode, because I would actually say I'm the Fran, you're the CC. If we take it as fact that Fran is bad at directing and producing things and CC is like presumably good at it. Agreed. If- I, that was my thought too, is I was like, well, I was a children's director and I did great. So <laughs> it's well, and one, also of, one I of the have- few things I'm truly proud of. <laughs> well, and I have seen you take charge in like, True, you know, yeah. when, when it's like, okay, we need to, uh, organize a bunch of people and figure out who's going to go here and who's going to go where and what's going to happen. And you just very intuitively like do it very easily. Whereas that's like my least favorite thing to do in the world. And yeah, mm-hmm. mine would be a fucking disaster. Of a, <laughs> of, of just a horrible, horrible thing. I, here's what I will say in your defense though. I feel like yours, if it, I don't know if that would be a disaster. I feel like if it was, it would only be in like, you got overwhelmed, but I don't think you would make the poor choices Fran made. I think you have much better taste than she does. Like she made dumb choices and everything looked crappy. I think you have like higher expectations. And if anything, you would be stalled by your own expectations. Yes, but I would say um, leadership comes naturally to you, whereas I prefer oh, not to have that responsibility. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, this was an episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, if you liked it, you should go to whatever podcast app you're listening on and do whatever you can do to like, like, comment, share it. If there's no like and comment thing, whatever you do to share the show and, and make people talk about it, that helps other people find it and it helps us. Uh, feel better about ourselves yeah um, i mean that's, just uh, that's all we need is a little a little um self-esteem coming yeah. from an external factor yeah that's i just need some about. external validation please that's what my psychologist Ooh. said yeah baby <laughs> the flashing girl from flushing the nanny named fran oh mr sheffield I, uh, uh, miss fine <laughs> <laughs>